0: Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Your Family Dog. I'm Julie Fudge-Smith, and I'm here with the fabulous Tina Spring. And we have a very exciting guest today. We have Bob Bryant, who is the co-founder of Mission Canine Rescue. It's a dog rescue in Houston, Texas, that has saved thousands of working military dogs, contract working dogs, and police canines. And they've reunited several, like well over 600, with their former handlers. And the others have been available for adoption. So thank you very much for joining us today, um, Bob. We are excited to hear what you had to do, how long you've been doing this, and, and uh, how did you get involved in this? But, Tina, I just took the first question. So. Yeah, you
0: see what you did? It's <laughs> terrible.
2: <laughs> Thanks for calling her on it, Bob. She she's sneaky that way. You got to keep an eye on her.
0: You got to keep them in check. I got into this uh, kind of by happen chance. Um, my primary business focus is merchant services. I provide merchant accounts primarily for e commerce companies. I've done that for about twenty years now, and I was seeking out large groups on Facebook at the time that I might present an offer to as a revenue share uh the predecessors of mission canine which at the time was called military working dog adoptions and literally they had that as a domain you believe that military working dog adoptions most people couldn't spell it but uh they liked what i had to offer they asked me to come in they were interested in growth and we did quite well i took over their social media and a few months into it though Uh, I saw that we would benefit much more if we did some paid advertising, and their executive director was absolutely adamant that she would never spend a penny to advertise a nonprofit. Well, you can guess what happened. Within three months, uh, she'd run out of funds, and she was looking for a quote-unquote real job. The end of the summer, my current co-founders, Kristen Maurer and Louisa Kastner, reached out to me and said, hey, we don't want to let this work go. It's too important you co-found a new organization, and that was back in 2012, and Mission Canine was born. Uh, I had no experience with working dogs prior to this. Couldn't have told you anything about them, um, and didn't have the appreciation I do now for the dogs that uh, I now have owned and have owned in the past, and have some deep regrets about better care I should have given some in the distant past. So there's my somewhat long-winded answer.
2: So Bob, I can tell you that that's somewhat typical, right? Like as a dog trainer, I work with families who have maybe had dogs their whole lives. And now in front of them is this new dog who is maybe not such a comfortable puzzle. And as we work through things and as they learn more and the animal learns more, grief is a part of that picture, right? I never realized there was so much crying in dog training. Right, and it's well, not always that something important to you got chewed up. It can be grieving for the thing you didn't know for with a pre
0: or for the thing I did. I had a great dog. His name was Murphy, and my ex-wife uh, thought that he was going to be a danger to our children. at eleven years old when they were born, so I rehomed him. Except the person we rehomed him to never contacted us. I never knew what happened to him. That's been. grief we're talking 1982 83 i'm my guts are still not over it
1: oh yeah i think we have all had similar experiences and uh it's it's tough so that that grief is is hard to deal with and the only thing you can do is try to use that grief to move forward and certainly use your grief to create a incredible organization that we we that's why you're here, because we want to know more about what you had to offer and wh- how we might be able to support you there.
2: So let's, sure. so let's talk about, let's ask the question that everybody wants to know, how many animals has your organization saved and what's been the the resolution for those animals? Like, did they go into new homes? Did they return to handlers that they served with? Kind of that big question, because I'm sure that's what everybody wants to know.
0: I'll be happy to answer that. We've been around 10 years now as a 501c3 U.S.-based nonprofit. profit uh, In that time, we have rescued over 1,300 uh, working dogs from literally every corner of the world. And of that number, 654 were military working dogs that were reunited with their former handlers. Uh, just some wonderful stories there, and you can... Uh, actually, search Google and find a lot of these reunions online, and you can just see the joy that both the dog and the handlers have. 642 of those dogs were either contract-working dogs. Contract-working dogs are just dogs that are privately owned and uh, put into service either with our military or with other private companies, things like port explosives detection, uh, you know, drug search, different things. And uh, these dogs were uh, reunited, or not reunited, they were adopted by uh, civilian families that have the ability to handle them and uh, take care of their veterinary needs as they age.
1: How old are most of the dogs that you are getting?
0: I would say the average retired dog we see is around eight to nine years old. We've seen some as old as 13. Poor dog lives six months. When they retired him, this is a military working dog. A long-haired belgian Teruvian, if you've ever seen one of those uh he had an incredible he had an incredible work drive and unfortunately contractors in the military only retire dogs at this time when they lose that work drive, or they become injured and uh some of the most of the time we see it eight or nine years old some we see earlier we get some washouts at four or five that are unable to perform due to whatever reason but uh that's a normal age i'd say let say nine.
2: Okay, That's so really we have, a magic age, right? It is. <laughs> I, I will tell you, you know, as again, as a dog trainer, the the dogs that are eight, nine, 10 years old, like, oh my goodness, they're like gold, right? They're fabulous. Cause they're just looking for a cushy retirement gig, right? They don't, right. they don't want any hassle. They've seen a whole bunch of nutty stuff. They're like, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> like, there, that's really kind of a fantastic. I know lots of people are going, but it'll die sooner. I'm like, okay, I had a dog diet of, of cancer at five, like young doesn't yeah, mean they're going to last forever. I really like those dogs who know who they are already. And the idea oh, yeah. of giving them like a nice retirement gig where they get to just be loved. Sounds lovely.
0: Yeah, so what are the criteria
2: for, um, for adoptive homes?
0: Uh, We're looking primarily for adopters that don't have a ton of other pets because the majority of working dogs are not friendly to other dogs. Uh, For instance, I have a police, former police canine. He served up in Canada. His name is Navy, and he'll eat anything and everything that comes close to him. So he's a definite no for a dog park, a definite no for getting up to new people that don't know him, haven't met him. Uh, He's a risk, and a dog like him would only be adopted to someone with actual handler experience. Other dogs, uh, contract working dogs, some of them are real chill, but a lot of them still don't like other dogs. Some of them may want to eat the family cat. So we get applications from our potential adopters. We want to know what their uh, home is like. Uh, We want to know the main thing we want is to make sure that they can afford the cost of veterinary care. Because too many dogs, they get older and get, oh, we're sorry, we just, we just can't afford it. You know, he'll be all right. Not with our dogs. We will not adopt to anyone who will not commit to uh, needed veterinary care for life. In fact, we're hoping to be involved co-sponsoring a second submission of uh, a uh, MWD act in Congress that will basically make the government provide uh, military working dogs with uh, lifetime care after retirement. If soldiers get it, the dogs should get it. They serve too. And it's unfair to put the burden of medical care and illnesses that have been caused by their service, such as PANIS, uh, such as uh, some of the bleach they clean the kennels with, really gets to them. Uh, We see a lot of cancer in explosives detection dogs. In fact, I would say 90% of the time working dogs pass from some sort of cancer just because of the environments that they're in. Um, I think that's pretty much all Stress. the criteria. Yeah. Oh, time. Yeah. yeah Stress exactly. is going like, to
2: be a big piece of it.
0: Oh, actually, yeah, actually, we see a lot of dogs with PTSD and they ask us, well, how do you fix it? You don't. You learn what triggers it and you learn how to avoid the triggers, and you'll have a great dog. Uh, One thing I do want to mention is that anybody who is thinking about adopting a former working dog needs to have the time to spend with that dog. Bored working dogs are a very bad combination, especially when they're left home alone. I know a Belgian Malinois that ate two couches within a six-month period because he was bored, and then mama and daddy were working all day. So if you're gone all day don't adopt, you know, make, have time to spend with the dog. My German shepherd, he gets walked about three miles a day, goes out three times a day. Uh, He comes with me everywhere I go that I'm not going to be public facing. And if not, he stays at home. Now we've got a couple of cats and he doesn't want to eat the cats. It's fortunate. So that's a good thing. It's it's always
1: nice when one of your pets does not want to eat the other pet. I I always consider that a, a real plus.
0: Oh, the two male cats got into it yesterday. I walked in the door and my wife was flustered and I see fur on the floor. We always keep these two little monsters apart. But somehow or another, a door didn't get shut. They got in. They were nose to nose. Mommy walks in and the fight starts. Neither one of them suffered from it except her. It scared the hell out of her, I think.
1: Yeah, I would have assumed that it would. Um, so I was going to say, with with dogs that are are eight, nine years old, it is a a sweet spot. They can be wonderful, wonderful dogs to adopt. But you are talking about a dog who is technically geriatric. And so you're talking about, even if it didn't have special medical needs, which these dogs have, you're talking about dogs are going to have probably more medical needs anyway. Correct. Do you find, do pet insurance companies, are they willing to insure these dogs?
0: Uh, Most of them, no, because of their age. It just depends on the age cut off. I mean, they don't ask, is this dog a working dog? You know, it's just based on the age. Some of them, I think, do. I can't give you an honest answer, though. I know that none of my dogs have qualified for it, and all of them have racked up some pretty healthy veterinary costs over their lives.
1: You were saying that there, when we were talking before before we got started, you were talking about some of the numbers associated with uh, canine, um, with with Mission Canine Rescue, you want to talk a little bit about like how much you all have spent on veterinary care and what kind of um, percentage of the, if somebody were to donate to you, what can they expect, how much of that money is going to actually go towards the care and feeding Got and it. rescue of these dogs? In the,
0: in the last 10 years, and I haven't added the recent two or three months uh, of that period, we've spent $1,952,000 on veterinary care for retired working dogs. Um, if you give a dollar to us, 93 cents goes directly to the dogs. Uh, nothing gets wasted. People will ask me, well, Bob, where's that other seven cents go? It goes to marketing because we have to find another 93 cents. My only bone to pick with other nonprofit organizations. It's those nonprofits that waste donor funds. If you give me $100 believing it's going to the health care of a dog and I spend that money on one, maybe advertising to a bunch of dead people on a mailing list, asking them to get me money, that's no good. Or in some cases, people have criticized us for not having a formal audit. Those things cost $60,000. Our donors would be furious if we spent their money on an audit. So this year, finally, we're going to raise money for an audit and try to find a CPE firm that'll do it. Our, nine, our IRS Form 990 speaks for itself, but some people look heavily at ratings in various uh, charitable organization websites when what they really don't know is, and one in particular, if you answer the questions correctly, even if you're lying, you get a platinum rating. And there's just something wrong with that.
2: Yes, I would agree. There, there is a, a fascinating underbelly. I think any of us who have ever worked in not-for-profit work learn that things, we don't necessarily want to know what's in the sausage. So when...
0: Yes, that's right. <laughs> There's that one of those uh, things. But I, but, there are some scumbags like I, in the nonprofit world.
2: There are. That's and nice. I have I have a policy of giving my money to people I can personally strangle right like i i want i want management of the finances to be local and someone you know who i physically talk to in person that's,
0: you, you got to, right, to be able to really trust thing people right you have to be able to trust me
2: right so i often wonder why there isn't just a big network of all of these organizations working together to sh- because it would sh- it would reduce how much overhead there is if people could kind of set their egos aside and just work together. To it's
0: help not as stop. much their ego. It's not as much their egos. It's this: they don't want to give up.
2: They don't want their to the money. money.
0: They don't want anybody else to get their work. And I can tell you that it's very aggravating to have another organization copy your work almost word for word and seeing them getting funding and donations for doing what you've been doing forever because XYZ organizations said, hey, the military dogs, that's cool. We'll get good press. Let's do it too. And people basically, they don't stay in their own backyard. And it's the nature of business. It's the nature of nonprofits. It's all cutthroat. It's competitive. And it's just sad.
2: Yes, I I have fascinating stories I can tell off there. Um,
0: Understood myself that, as well.
2: That, that made me just choose to be flattered. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. Having started and run a nonprofit myself called um, the Good Dog Foundation, where we provided um, financial means to um, for low-income families. We um, what we do is vets would have to contact us about their clients who might need financial aid, and then we would pay for their vet bills or. That's whatever. very cool. Um, I've
0: heard of similar organizations that do that. That is such a good work.
1: Yeah, well, we finally had to close because we just, it just I wasn't. We were getting the funding. Um, it, was, it was. It was. It, 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 you know, and I had problems with my board, and you know, it just, it, it unfortunately folded. But it would be something that I would be interested in doing again if I could sort of put it together. I think a little bit better. But what I wanted to talk to you about next was, can you talk about your five-point mission?
0: Sure. We rescue, reunite, repair, rehome, or relocate any working dog that served mankind in such capacity rescue we rescue dogs from all over the world uh united states uh lebanon iraq iran tunisia other parts of north africa um afghanistan cotter uh, burma um guam uh, and and the united states so even you'd be surprised how many working dogs here need to have a place to go after retirement Uh, Most of the contractors in the United States are very good. Some of the ones that send dogs abroad are worthless, and we take special steps to make sure those dogs are rescued. But we have some real cool dogs that we get out of Florida. These dogs work in orchards. They're citrus pest detection dogs. or Malinois, and they run in orchards, and they will alert on a diseased citrus tree. And that way, the owner of the property can remove the single tree instead of the disease spreading. And that they is actually
1: really cool.
0: Uh, and they, uh, we call them fruit dogs. And they actually retire around five or six years old. So they have a good quality of life. All right. Uh, rescue. Okay. Uh, rescue. Uh, reunite. We will do whatever it takes to get a Hammer's retired working dog to them wherever they are. We've recently re- returned a couple to uh, one to Italy and another to Rota, Spain, where a um, military member had PCS and honestly, the dog won't live past the PCS time. So, you know, we wanted him to have his, their, them to have their dogs. And so, uh, they went over there. So we reunite those dogs. It does, it does wonders for the dog. It does wonders, uh, for the handler, uh, repair, uh, we will, uh, provide any, Health care needed for the dogs while they're in our care. It doesn't matter what it is. If they need it, if they will have a positive benefit from it, uh, we will uh, give it to them. Uh, Rehabilitate. These dogs train like athletes their entire lives. And as a result, they have a lot of issues that athletes have, that their joints can be wrecked. Uh, they uh, They can be mentally scarred from explosions or Uh, close proximity to gunfire and we evaluate each dog our facility in magnolia texas where we have our ranch where all these dogs are we care for about 48 at this time that are in various stages being ready for adoption they all have individual play yards and over that over the time we have them in our care we evaluate them for every issue we can possibly think of to determine what their best fit would be in a permanent home and uh, we will also rehome any dog that's turned out to be not a fit. So if somebody adopts a dog, their situation changes. We will gladly take the dog back and rehome the dog somewhere else. I believe that's five. Did I go over all five? I think I did.
1: I think you did. That was very good. Very I, good. Did, I,
0: I didn't even look at my cheat sheet. I've actually memorized it after 10 <laughs> well, I'm years. I'm
1: impressed. Because I know I would have had to look at my cheat sheet, but I was very oh. impressed.
0: I do need to brag about something. I'm just the guy that makes sure that we have enough money to run the organization, that runs social media, that does the website, and screams when I find myself, with the water up to here, needing money. You know how that is, having run a nonprofit. But the driving force behind my work is two women, Louisa Kastner and Kristen Maurer, our president. Kristen works tirelessly, reuniting these dogs with military members all over the world, both of them. Uh, run the roads in our transport van. They will often sleep all over the country uh, in that van and roadside parks. We don't go first class or sit in leather chairs. Everything we do, we do it frugally and we do it for the purpose of making sure that we spend enough toward our work to get the most impact for our animals and our care.
2: So are there ways that people can volunteer to help other than financially supporting your organization or potentially being an adoptive home.
0: Yes, uh, we have some work days every once in a while down at the ranch. Due to the nature of the dogs, it's generally not hands-on with the dogs because we don't want any one subject to any potential nips or whatever. And yeah, you know, and to answer the question, yes, we do have some dogs that will bite, you know. So you have to you have to get to know them and they're not available to just the general public. Oh, by the way, Before anybody asks, I want to mention it now, our dogs, because of their former service, are not qualified to be certified as PTSD, therapy, or emotional support dogs. Get a young dog that's specially trained for that, and our dog's not going to fight for you. It's not going to protect your house. It might, but it'd be like asking grandpa to go out and fight the high school bully. You know, the dog might win, but what's going to be the quality of life after that? So if you got to have a protection dog, get a young dog, have a train for that. Nothing wrong with it. I am delighted that my wife can walk my uh, PD canine at night. She could walk him in downtown, you know, L.A., and I wouldn't worry a bit about her because he'll take care of anybody that got close to her. But for the general public, it's a danger.
2: I was just going to say, these dogs are not for every household right? They yeah. are specialized dogs. They have had life experiences that the average dog has not had. They likely have some PTSD type responses. We've talked about canine PTSD previously. So to a certain extent, I really, I, I don't know. I think the average household would struggle to really figure out what these dogs are and that it's not the typical, you know, the typical dog, that these are dogs that are special needs, not meaning that they're broken, just they've done some really specialized things and seen some specialized things and may not be for everyone.
0: They're not for the family that just decides, oh, hey, let's go to the pound and adopt a dog today. No, there's a little more research that goes into it. Um, in addition to doing some volunteer work at the ranch once a quarter, uh, I can always use help with people that want to promote our organization, that want to hold fundraisers, that want to participate in making people more aware of who we are and what we do.
1: Kind of like being on a podcast. <laughs> yes.
0: Oh, I love doing these things. It's it's excellent of way to get our brand out there and to just tell people what we do and let them see what kind of nutballs are in behind the organization
1: so can you tell me a little bit um for example, if somebody wants to learn more about um mission k nine rescue where would they go where what's your website and uh... our
0: website is mission k nine rescue that's a letter k and a number nine mission nine rescue dot org and if you want' to see a lot of our current work and needs, our facebook page is mission k nine we have uh over 122,000 active, very active participants there. They're very engaged, and uh, they've helped us to spread the word far and wide. We have an Instagram account, Mission Canine, and as far as Twitter or X, all I'll say is, nope, don't mess with it.
1: <laughs> okay. If somebody wants to donate, can they do that on the org website? Yes. yes, they can. Okay.
0: There's it'll, right. it'll take them right over to our donation platform. There's a big red button that says donate.
2: Nice. And, and do they'll you get do a like thank an thank you, Amazon wish list too? So people because sometimes have, people rather than giving money, they're like, I want to give oh, yeah. disinfectant or I want to give dog food or toys or a Kong or whatever.
0: Yes. Right? Enrich- yes. Uh, Louisa has in the past maintained Amazon wish list. I am not involved in those. I need to ask her if she does. In fact, it might be a good idea something to do for first quarter.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things that I we found, uh, a not-for-profit that I did quite a bit of work with. We found that, that the Amazon wish list, we actually got, in many cases, people kind of stretched their budget of what they were willing to give because they knew that it was going toward a very specific thing. So they could give what really was laying on their heart as an important piece to do. So right. I I even if it was you have dogs that need chiropractic care, mm. having like this is where you can give to chiropractic care for these dogs.
0: You just peaked my you peak my memory about something. I'm gonna mention this, and I want you and your, uh, your podcast viewers, listeners to think about this. We have people that will throw money at us to get a dog home from abroad you know mwd jojo needs to be reunited with his handler he's coming from guam it's going to cost me seven thousand dollars the military is not going to be able to put him on a plane at this time so it's either he gets on a plane or he doesn't get on a plane because the handler doesn't have seven thousand dollars so great we get jojo home then we have another dog in fact i'll just give you an example right now we have a, a Transportation's uh, Security Administration TSA dog named Rex. He's a German short haired pointer. Rex is having uncontrollable epileptic seizures right now. We've amassed a $10,000 bill. And getting money for vet care after a dog is home is like pulling someone's teeth. They're excited to get the dog home, but most of them could care less if the dog has vet care or not. Please, 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 public, rethink that. We want them healthy when they're home so they can enjoy their retirement and we're fronting this money to get them healthy and but at some point if we're not able to pay the bills none of us is wealthy and we can't can't continue without the public self and that goes for vet care reunions transport everything and your idea for the wish list i agree is a good idea because it's all spent money coming from somewhere either out of our general fund from the graciousness of a donor that we can then take what we would have used for that and put it in pot B.
2: And and I will say, Bob, when so the, the not-for-profit I worked with was uh, a local humane society. When we had a special needs uh, animal like the German short hair pointer you're talking about, we would do a specific fundraiser for that animal. And, yep. and especially, this is the GSP. Like we can, you can get in contact with GSP breeders the national breed club this can become the dog they celebrate that he's done this amazing work. Oh, do
0: you think they'd actually care that's yeah. a cool idea. Generally, you know, i've never yeah. thought about it. yeah I'm, i am i'm damn good at what i do but you just you just gave me a great idea i just
2: know the dog world yeah
0: yeah that's a little a good, weird over fact,
2: here but we you, have
0: can, you can you can see him on our facebook page he's the second post down and it's okay. pretty you know, he's there. I'll do that. And they I may, may tag some of those people.
2: And, and honestly, they may have insight into that epilepsy and what may be going on. Because, yeah, again, kidding. professional breeders are going to be, ideally, even in many cases, better than the average vet, at talking about what's going on in their breed. And that, like, yeah, this dog's going to continue to cascade until he has no quality of life. Because you know, seizures do damage when we're talking about nonstop seizures. It's Um, an
0: individual fundraiser. So yeah, that's a good idea. It it may
2: be something that's really specific to that breed that, that the breed club or, or, you know, could, could share information, not only helping to support, but also partner in this is what, you know, here's here is the vet who's a specialist in this because they'll know if they if it's in their breed.
0: Right. Very good. I was
2: gonna say too that there are also like Facebook groups.
1: Like I have a flat coated retriever and they have um, specific health problems that are related to flat coats. And so there's a flat coat retriever health group on Facebook where you get a lot of good information and a lot of breeders are, are participating in those groups as well. So as Tina said, I had found that that my breeder has been at ad- for um for our flat coats has been absolutely invaluable in helping me to you know get the the kind of things that i need for my flat coats um so yeah i would say i'll um, explore that groups, yeah the specialized breeding groups um you might check when we were at um my husband and i went to see the westminster dog show several years ago and we
0: were at um, we've actually uh exhibited at westminster once before back in 2016 a long time ago yeah
1: well, I was going to say, you get the, the big book of all the participants, and then mm-hmm. have all the top breeders of every single breed, and that's how we found the breeder for our Clumber Spaniels. We just started going through the top list and talking to them and saying, "Who's having a litter? And what do you think of this group?" And that might be another source of uh, information for you. Would be so the-
0: hit the breed specific groups. All right, yeah. I know that we get help from Malinois rescue groups all the time. So I'll check out, I'll check that out. That's a, that's a good uh, a good idea, and I appreciate you tossing that out. I hadn't. Yeah, thought
2: and that. they sometimes will do big fundraisers. I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've seen it happen. So uh, hopefully, yeah, I'll just, you p- get the I'll just
0: ping their part. groups. I'll I'll ping their group privately and say, "Hey, this is a need. If you want to share it with your group, here it is." I'm not the type to jump on and spam groups. I can't stand people that do that. So,
2: right. Uh, what I you don't do want it. an app? No, no, I get that. Request I, and no, and
0: no, I no, I, I won't and no, I won't be your friend. You know, you it get the oh, it. you're so, such a kind person. We'd like you. To, let's be friends. No, go away. Yeah. I put yeah. a monkey smoking a cigarette in response and he says no.
2: Yeah. It's a I I get some fascinating requests. Um, but I choose to see the humor in it. Yes, me so too. So when you see these dogs coming back from overseas. So first, my question is: You talked about contract working dogs, and that they're different, right? These are dogs that are owned by private companies, who the services of the dogs are being contracted. I'm That's assuming correct. to military personnel or to other contractors.
0: Oh, uh, whoever wants to pay for it.
2: Oh wow! Okay, so so for so, what would be an example?
0: There's an example: private security company in Kuwait. I had a group of contract working dogs that we rescued back in 2017, and uh, these dogs were just treated horribly by the handlers. These folks don't like dogs for the most part, and they would either beat them or choke them out if they didn't release their toy. And I received one of those. His name was Anubis, a huge Malinois. He was terrified of men for obvious reasons, and he bonded like a tick to my wife. He had such severe separation anxiety i find and I claim victory with this with this trick I pulled off I got a mannequin that was her size dressed in her dirty clothes put a hat and a wig on it that I first rubbed all over her head, put it on the couch, pulled the blanket up he fell for it he thought she was taking a nap and she got her life back
2: We actually have talked about that with Helen a, a fake Helen a felon that's what she calls it felon it's <laughs> fake Helen <laughs> Terrible. I need to talk to my. I have clients right now with a dog with pretty severe separation anxiety. I might need to talk to them about a fake Betsy. But
0: I mean, um, I didn't. I spent less than a hundred bucks on this mannequin. You can get it pretty much size wise. I mean, if you dress it up with the clothes, the smell, and everything's there, they literally think you're just sleeping. I came home one day, and he's up there. He's got his head right. He's
2: cuddled with with your fake wife exactly so how long did it take him to put together that fake mom and real mom are sometimes in the same room together
0: he never figured it out because i would never them. let them be in the same room together I them. I mean, because if i didn't then she'd lose her life again because he would oh, literally yeah, no
2: i mean separation anxiety can be a big thing
0: so he was a uh, he was a rag swallower you had to be real careful he would eat anything uh, so we pulled a three foot cat blanket out of his rear one time, literally this long and bright pink. I look, I, I kept missing the cat's blanket, couldn't find it. And he'd torn off a strip of it. And the next day he passed it. It was hilarious. I'm look glad he made, it, that, oh, he made it. Oh, That's
2: one of those yeah, life threatening things. Yeah, like that's a bad lost. habit to get into. So, um, for the contract dogs. Does that mean that your organization is having to talk to individual companies and network with them and go, we will take these dogs off your hands and find them homes? Do you find that they're resistant to that?
0: No, none of them are. Most of them are more than happy to because they want to be rid of their financial burden as soon as possible. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some very, very excellent contract companies. Unfortunately, we deal with some of the worst contract companies and that's because we care about the dogs uh, safety rather than, than the company and we'll make friends we'll do a deal with the devil to get the dogs out when we need to and we've done it several times we actually had a a, a branch of the military that shall name be unnamed that put 20 some odd working dogs in a kennel in chester virginia back about five years ago then just didn't pay the vet bill i mean the kennel bill These dogs are part of the United States Army's tactical explosive detection dog called the TED program that were part of the Iraq troop drawdown. They searched for IEDs on the roadside, and they just dumped the dogs at the guy's kennel and didn't pay the bill. Well, we did, and we got the dogs back, and we we reunited a bunch of them with their handlers. But that was something directly in the control of the United States government, if you can believe that, and they stepped the guy.
2: Amazing. You said it sounds like about 50% of the cases that the handlers want their dogs.
0: Oh, they are, uh, 100% of the time, handlers want their dogs if they can have them. The, uh, and, and a military dog can have up to five handlers in its career. Normally, the last handler will get the dog. The military truly is the ultimate decider of that. But in many cases, the, the handler that, the, say, the military blesses has a small child. Let's say the Malinois, he Handles as a pat- aggressive patrol dog that's toy totally crazy. That's not going to work. So that handler many times will pass it to another handler to say, "Hey, you know, let me come see the dog every once in a while." Sure, and it, that works out well,
2: because I'm kind of surprised that that's not part and parcel of the life of that canine soldier.
0: Uh, it is. Right? It is a big that part it of their is life. a
2: responsibility that our government has to these dogs who have been purpose bred purpose-trained, and and really are sacrificing, without a vote, are sacrificing their lives in the service to the country, I would 5, like to 000, believe that our country could do better.
0: 5,000 of those dogs were euthanized or left behind in Vietnam when we left. 5,000 dogs. I know canine handlers from the Vietnam area era that are still emotionally damaged because of that.
1: I'm sure that's terrible. That's just awful. and that just sort of blew the thought right out of my head. That oh, I was going uh,
0: to ask it, while, while to- you're thinking of your thought, I have a thought. A lot of people are going to say, Well, the military automatically brings the dogs home when they retire. The answer is no, they don't. Uh, a an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act in twenty sixteen signed by President Obama at the time had a clause in it that stated that military dogs retired overseas would be returned to uh, their last United States kennel. Never happened because the kennel masters considered uh, foreign operating bases U.S. soil. And only recently, within the last year, have we started to see some cooperation from the military in that they put a couple of dogs on rotator flights coming home from Japan and took them to Seattle for us, you know, saved us 12,000 bucks. But it doesn't always happen, and you know it's they're still in Seattle, and we've got to get them to New York City. So there's still there's still a big burden there. that The military should cover, but doesn't, and probably won't ever. So to those who think the military pays for it, the answer is no, they don't. I wish they did. I, I really wish that an organization like ours wasn't needed. That would delight me no end to know that every dog would be retired with health care to a loving home or to their handler. And then there'd be no need for us. It'd be fantastic. But.
2: Well, and I'm uh, kind of surprised that you can't find insurance companies that are willing to donate X number of coverages just to have their name on. We're helping these retired military dogs. Like you again, would think that they would, the would want to have that as a feather in their cap that they're helping provide this care.
0: Um, we. We do get some discounts from most of our veterinarians but you know we can't expect them to provide their services for free. It's just, you know they're in they're so, they're in it for the money too.
1: Well, then, and they, they have overhead that is simply they can't exactly. just provide, you know Well, uh, and they're,
2: they and they're a handling a dog that may not be super easy to to handle or may have disease processes going on from environments that the veterinarian's not used to, right? I think about mm-hmm. all the potcake, and, you know, if if a pot cake moves to New York City, that vet's not thought of ehrlichiosis. They haven't dealt with tropical diseases, right? So we have to, as owners, we have to kind of help. Uh, the same thing is true. I'm sure a military working dog, and an adopter doesn't even necessarily know all the different places that dog has been.
0: You know, okay. some of them, some of them don't even like veterinarians. My, sh- my shepherd has to be sedated to go to the vet because he wants to eat them. You know, we take him in, I get him in the corner, she darts him and I sit with him till he goes out. Then we, then they can do whatever they want to with him. We used to have to get him sedated even to get his nails trimmed. That's how aggressive he was. Now I use, have you ever seen the doggy lift? Check out the doggylift.com. It's awesome. It's a harness. It lifts them up, and they just kind of sitting there dangling, and you can do whatever you want to. It's hilarious when he's in that harness. We feed him beef jerky, and I dremel his nails.
1: I hadn't heard of that. That sounds something like the, yeah. the, we're taking a, a close look at. Um, one of the things I did want to ask was you were saying that that uh, most of these dogs have had several handlers. Yep. Do you get a list of who the handlers are, or do the handlers all know one another? Because what, what happens if the, the handler they're supposed to go to— either can't or won't take the dog. Well,
0: first of all, the military would know, you know, who all the handlers are. Do we know who they all are? No. Um, most of the handlers themselves do know who the successive handlers are for their military working dog. And there's some contact between them.
1: Oh, that's good. The other thing I was going to ask you, too, when you bring a dog from overseas... Um, can you tell, talk a little bit about that process? Is, are these dogs accompanied by somebody in your organization, or are they in the... Uh,
0: bar- various cases. Depends on where the dog's coming from. If the dog's coming from Afghanistan, uh, we have some on-the-ground help there that will get the health certificates that are required that will arrange the transports and do it that way. If we're going to the Middle East somewhere, normally it's cheaper for us to fly over there. And then you can fly as escorts. You know, the dogs are still in cargo, but you can fly as escorts and that's cheaper. So it's just a variety of of, uh, of ways that that they get here. With the military, normally the kennel master will provide the health certifications and they will deliver them to the outbound airport that we've selected. And the dog will then fly from there as cargo and we'll meet them wherever they come in. i met some... Not long ago, down in uh, in Los Angeles, that flew into LAX uh, from Japan.
1: And so, then what is the what is the process once they arrive? Do you immediately take them to be vetted?
0: No, the military working dogs that we bring in that are retired, the military gives them all the veterinary care they need while they have them. So we're not getting a broken dog back. If the dog has a health problem, then you sort. We're going to know what it is before they ship them, and we'll have like the dog has panis. For those that don't know, panis is a, is a vision, an eye disease, and some drops are required for it. And you know, we'll we'll get those meds on board and have them when the dog gets here. But in most cases, no, we will get the dog and then reunite them as soon as possible with the handler. Oftentimes, the same day.
1: Well, that must be the one of the really joyful parts of your job would be to see that reunite. Well, I
0: don't, I don't get to do it hardly ever. Oh, Kristen no. gets to do it. She's like, nope. I'm doing it. So I no, know Kristen, <laughs> Kristen does most of our uh, reunions. I've taken two dogs in my time, different places, a, a dog named Mia that w- went up to, oh, I think it was up up in Minnesota. She was part of the TED program. I picked her up at her former uh, kennel where she was at and flew up there with her, reunited her, and also reunited uh, United States Marine with his working dog uh, down in San Diego back in 2014. But no, we've done so many. We've had over sixty reunions this year alone. I think.
1: Oh, that's fabulous! So, when um when you do reunite with a handler, if there's a particular problem that a dog has, whether it's 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 cancer or seizure disorder, whatever, do you help with the veterinary bills if the uh, handler can't Uh, afford it?
0: Unfortunately, no. We're not we're not funded to where we can uh, afford care for adopted animals at this point. Uh, Again, I think the We are pressing the United States Congress to pass a bill that will provide provide organizations like ourselves with money for health care that the handlers can reach out and say, hey, my dog needs this. And then we've got government funds to give that dog at that time. But for now, we cannot fund care for owned animals. I wish we could. It's just not financially feasible.
1: Oh, that makes uh, that that makes perfect sense. I understand that completely. Um, so, is there a bill pending in Congress now, or is no. there?
0: No, no it's there going it's going to be introduced within uh, within this next quarter. We're we're speaking to the author of it, suggesting some things like suggesting minimum uh, spend emission requirements. We don't want nonprofit organizations getting money for dogs' care that are going to keep forty percent of it and only put 60% of the funds toward the actual care. So we're trying to help them be smart about where they fund that money. And uh, they're actually listening to us, and that's a good thing.
1: Good, good. So, Tina, do you
2: have any other questions for Bob? So how many dogs a year are is your target?
0: We don't have a target. Our target is uh, specified strictly by available funding we we probably took in 128 dogs last year you know so if you do uh, you f- figure the numbers divide 1300 by 10 what about 130 dogs a year that's a good number
2: so if someone for example wanted to set up that they wanted to help one dog a month what kind of donation would they be making to you
0: if they wanted to fund the just the housing and feeding of a dog for a month, excluding veterinary care, I'd say $150 a month.
2: So if somebody had the space in their budget that $150 yeah. a month, they wanted to put on a reoccurring donation to you, I'm assuming it's tax deductible, yes? Yes,
0: 100% right? tax deductible. In fact, we have fundraisers like that for individual dogs every week. We have a dog of the week and we ask for support for, the, for those dogs until they're adopted. After they're adopted, after they're adopted, we notify the donor and say, Hey, you know, your dog's been adopted. Would you like to continue your donation to go to another dog? Or would you like to stop? And if they want to stop, they stop. You know, we appreciate we don't ever, I had a lady call me a couple of years ago and tell me that she was at the end of her month and she had about $25 left in her account. She wanted to donate it to us. How can she? And I said, well, you have $25 is that right. I said you have savings. Said, no, I have $25. I said, I want your money. I don't want it. Right. You know, you have to you take care of yourself. You never put yourself in hardship out of some sad story to help a nonprofit organization. You've right. got to survive to be able to thrive.
2: Yeah. I we uh yeah. Working in nonprofit, you uh, we sometimes receive donations from people who we knew needed that money more the organization needs the money and so we really work to try to to help that um and to give them other ways to feel like they were contributing that you know instead of writing us a five dollar check
0: yeah i also have someone who's called me in the past month told me they were going to be sending us a check for four million dollars um well that'd be lovely i I haven't seen it yet (laughs) what about
2: if if people want to make bequeaths, like if they want to include your organization in their will, do you have a way for them to do that?
0: Yes, we do. We've been very, uh, they can contact us and we'll handle that. We've been very fortunate the past couple of years and unfortunate in that good donors have died, but those good donors uh, care enough about our work to leave some very nice bequests to us. And we've been able to expand our work as a result. And we couldn't, you know, I wish I could thank them personally again, just one more time.
2: Right. Well, you do because you save another dog. Who?
0: Yeah, I think deserves so. I think saving. they know.
2: Yeah, I would say that generally dogs know. Yeah. Oh, I do too. I do too. I think and dogs I, know and I think are. the world knows too. Like I just think good things happen, and the world kind of goes, "Oh, good." There's at least one organization doing what they say they're going to do.
0: Right. Thank we you to so be-
2: much for coming and sharing. Uh, what you do with us. It's wonderful to have you here.
0: Well, thank you very much. We try to be very transparent. And if anybody has any questions, reach out to us, ask a question, I'll answer it. And I can be blunt as a post, So just know that before you do, but I will attempt to answer your question thoroughly. And Tina and Julie, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about Mission Canine. You're welcome. All and right. Thank well, you
2: thank so you. much for the amazing work you do.
1: Yes. All right. And we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.